God bless. Well, good morning. <clears throat> We're going to be in Colossians chapter 10 this morning. There is no Colossians chapter 10. Sorry. <laughs> it's actually 1 Thessalonians. Um, but hey, you know what? Even if you have plans this evening, um, cancel them and be here. Um, and uh, because um, we'd uh, love to have everyone out here. Uh, so angelology, who knows what angelology is? Okay, Troy, you raised your hand. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's a doctrine of angels. And so we learn. Um, this evening we'll, we'll learn a little bit about, uh, in a little, I say a little bit because we only have 45 minutes. Um, really, that's a study that could take um, most of the evening and uh, the next Sunday night and the Sunday after that as we uh, come to realize uh, and understand through Scripture um, who, uh, what an angel is, uh, what they do, what they've done, and uh, throughout Scripture. And so it's a, it's a great study. I would encourage you to come out. So this evening at 6.30. Now that uh, Servants Conference that's taking place on September 21st, um, we have just a, a great lineup of pastors um, who will be del- delivering a word of encouragement from the, wor- from the Bible itself. And um, so we have um, Pastor Dennis Morales of Calvary Chapel Eastvale. He's going to be kicking it off. Um, so I'm looking, you get, most of you have um, heard him. He's come and he's taught here. Um, second up is Mike Ursioli, who is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel of Ontario. And so he'll be here um, in the number two spot. We're going to take a short break and then we'll come back. And we have uh, pa- Pastor Michael uh, Torres of Calvary Chapel into the light in La Habra. And uh, those of you who went to uh, Israel on that trip, you know exactly who he is. And uh, looking forward to, to uh, seeing how the Lord works through him. And then anchoring it all is Pastor David Zamora of Living Water in Fontana. And so it just, uh, I, I look at this as a God-ordained or, uh, God lineup for us. And again, this is, this is all for us and for those who are serving here. Not only for those who are serving, but it should be each and every one of us. Uh, because as we'll learn this morning, uh, we, we understand through Scripture that a genuine faith is expressed through service to God. And um, so for us, we should, we should be getting to that point in our lives, if we're not already, already there, that we're desiring more and more to serve the Lord in some way, shape, or form. And um, so this, this uh, Servants Conference is for everyone, and I would encourage you to make the, make the time Set the time aside, mark your calendars, and be here on September 21st. It's just a half day, um, and it'll be uh, just fast-paced, and so I encourage you to, to be here. So this morning, again, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Um, this is the, the first of, well, I don't know how many messages it'll be until we complete these five chapters in, in 1 Thessalonians, but... Um, just, I've been looking forward to it. The, the title of this morning's message, message is The Impact of a Genuine Faith. The Impact of a Genuine Faith. <clears throat> so let's start out by reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. And the Apostle Paul writes, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. 
We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Heavenly Father, we commit this time into your hands, Lord, a time of study, a time of just reflecting, I pray, our lives with the standard of God, the very word. I pray, Father, that the measure by which we um, see our lives to be of value would be measured by the standard of God's word. I pray, Father, that as we serve you, that we serve you according to that which is from your word. Um, the love, the grace, the peace, the compassion, Lord, should be demonstrated um, just according to what we have before us. This morning, it's a word of encouragement. It's a word of um, affirmation uh, for the Thessalonians um, through the Apostle Paul. And I ask, Father, that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, that we would understand that our faith should be genuine and understand what impact we could have if our lives are in line with your word and are a simple response to the love that you have already demonstrated to us. And so, Father, we commit this time into your hands. Lord, we ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to give you a little background as far as uh, Thessalonica. And um, in the Apostle Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, uh, as we see the introduction here, comes not only from the Apostle Paul, but he mentions a couple other of his companions as well. Thessalonica is a Greek port in the Gulf of Thermaic. It's in the northern part of the Asian Sea, and so you have Bulgaria to the north as well as Albania. If you go to the east across the Asian Sea, you would run into Turkey. And so just to give you an understanding of where it is geographically, Italy, if you go west from uh, Thessalonica, you would run into Italy, and um, so that's where it's located in the world. Now, Paul founded this church in Thessalonica on his second missionary trip, and we can see that uh, in Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. As he explained and proved from scriptures at that point, uh, he explained who Jesus was, how he was prophesied about in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament as it was being written, written by the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote actually about two-thirds of the New Testament, and this is part of it. And so he explained to them 
in his second missionary trip, who Jesus was and how it was that he was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. And he explained to them his death, burial, and resurrection. In Acts chapter 17, verse 4, it says, Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. And so there were many who came to faith in Thessalonica, and so the church was born there. But Paul's visit wasn't welcomed by all there in Thessalonica. In fact, some Jews were jealous, as we also read in Acts chapter 17. These jealous Jews, they formed a a big mob and got everyone together and encouraged them to seek and attack Paul and Silas at that time. They went, in fact, to the house of a man named Jason, and they came against him and harassed him and falsely accused him for having received Paul and Silas. And, uh, and so after they received a, a bribe, as far as the officials were concerned, they let Jason go. So we know that Paul wasn't received completely uh, with open arms there in Thessalonica. There were some issues there, and yet Paul still went, and he still proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many came to faith. Now, for the most part, we will see this letter as affirming and encouraging to the believers in Thessalonica as the underlying message is one of proving a proving faith, a proving love, and a proving hope in Jesus Christ, which is what we're going to focus on this morning. Because this morning we'll begin our study of this letter by identifying what Paul was thankful for in the Thessalonians, seeing an encouraging word to persevere in their faith, and learning how this genuine faith of the Christians in Thessalonica was having a great impact. And this is something oftentimes that we don't realize. That our faith has a lasting and eternal impact, not only on the people that we see day in and day out, but also there is a resonating and a rippling effect that our faith has as we are consistent in it that goes far beyond the people that we are in contact with uh, on a day-to-day basis, face-to-face. There's a great impact. And so the Apostle Paul wanted them to also realize and understand, hey, the impact that you have made by your consistency in your genuine faith is far and reaching beyond what you could ever think or imagine. And so what we're going to see this morning are three things. Number one, action proves faith, love, and hope. Again, action proves faith, love, and hope. Number two, perseverance is proof of a genuine faith. And thirdly, the impact of a genuine faith. Those three things is what we're going to see this morning. So let's start out with the first one, action proves faith, love, and hope. Again, beginning in verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we begin with this introduction to this letter. It was a very simple introduction that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. It did not include his apostolic status nor his responsibilities, as was the manner of his writings and his introduction in other letters that we that we know of, as far as like his letter to the Galatians or the Ephesians. Uh, 
And we can read how it is that he introduced himself to them. This did not include, again, his apostolic status nor his responsibilities, which implies that his relationship with the the Thessalonians was stable and is the reason why perhaps he felt no need to further identify himself in that manner. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, what we need to do is establish who we are as we uh, confront someone for something that perhaps needs correction or direction or encouragement or affirmation. Uh, might I remind you of the authority and the position that I have and the responsibility that I have. And, and with that, then I tell you whatever I need to tell you, right? Or someone else does, uh, a boss, you know. Might I remind you that uh, I'm the manager of this department. And so what, it, what I'm about to tell you comes with the authority that's been given to me. And I have the responsibility of, of communicating to you what I'm about to tell you, Right? The Apostle Paul didn't feel a need to do that. It was a simple one. And so that's why it's implied that, um, that there's a good relationship between him and the Thessalonians. There, is, there were a few things that he was going to address. It wasn't a perfect church. In fact, there is no perfect church, just so you guys know. If you're here looking for a perfect church, then uh, it's not here. You won't, you won't find it. It's not here. But there were still some issues that he, he dealt with. Um, but for the most part... Um, this, is, this letter, specifically, is one of encouragement. Now, Silvanus and Timothy are, were identified to have been with them at the time of the writing of this letter. Uh, these men were great companions of the Apostle Paul. Um, they were loyal. They were trustworthy. Um, they endured much uh, alongside with the Apostle Paul. Silvanus uh, was a great companion of Paul throughout his second missionary journey when they visited Thessalonica. Um, we're going to actually um, see how it was that in the, in, in the book of Acts, uh, we learn how it was that Paul and Silvanus, he's also identified as Silas. And, and perhaps you remember the time that they were in prison and they were, they were praying and singing hymns. And so we're going to learn a little bit about that. But this was the Silas. This is the, was the Silvanus that we're identifying right here and reading about and whom the Apostle Paul identified as being with him and at the time that he's writing this letter. Timothy was another great companion of the Apostle Paul. He was his understudy, and he joined him also on his second missionary journey and had been actually sent to Thessalonica to establish and exhort them in their faith, according to 1 Thessalonians 3.2. So we know that they are familiar with both Timothy and Silvanus. They were well known by the brethren there, and there was no further explanation necessary to identify who it was that Paul was referring to in his opening letter. It's like if someone were familiar to us here in this church, and I was to write a letter and said, you know, hey, Joe and Dan, they're, they're with me. It's like, oh, yeah, we know who Joe and Dan are, you know, and, and uh, this is what's going on, and this is what I want to encourage you with. There's no further need to tell you and explain to, to you who they are, right? And so it's the very same thing. They're familiar with who they are. And so Paul addresses the church in Thessalonica in this very basic way. It was after Paul and Silas, that is Silvanus, had been imprisoned in Philippi and had experienced an amazing and miraculous prison experience. That's what I was referring to earlier. They were praying and singing. And you remember what happened right as, as that during that time that they were praying and singing? You remember what happened? 
There was a great earthquake. The door is swung open. And then there was the prison guard. When he realized that the, the, the doors were open, and he, his greatest fear came to him. He thought, they're all gone, and I am dead. Because what would come about for a prison guard that allowed one prisoner to escape was death. And so he was about to kill himself, and, and yet the Apostle Paul called out to him, hey, we're all here, we're all here, don't, don't worry, don't do that, <laughs> right? But here, here's where he came to, he came to the place to where he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40 is, is this account of that time, of that situation. So I would encourage you, jot that down, we're not going to go there. But, but this, this was the Silas, this is, was the Sylvanus that was there with the Apostle Paul, and, and whom the Apostle Paul is referring to along with Timothy, his, his understudy. Remember that we have two letters that were written to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Uh, he was in, uh, encouraged by the Apostle Paul um, to not be timid, to not be overwhelmed by anyone, but to stand up and be courageous and uh, declare um, the, the grace of God through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to teach and to lead and to be an example um, to everyone there. And so this is who was, was with them. After uh, the Apostle Paul and Silvanus, uh, after this occurred in, in Philippi, that is their, uh, their imprisonment and their release, from there and after this Philippian jailer came to salvation, uh, they traveled to Thessalonica is what we're talking about right now. If any men would know what proves their faith, love, and hope for Christ, it would be men like these, wouldn't it? In spite of what was going on around them, in spite of what they were confronted with and what they experienced, these men would be ones that would have the experience and understanding and the depth to know what it was that they were talking about. How was that people's faith, their love and hope for Christ, is what proves that they are genuine believers. This is why the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this letter to the Thessalonians, was writing from a faith, love, and hope that he himself knew and lived. And we see throughout the life of the Apostle Paul how it was that he did not have it easy. There was, there was not a time that I can read about in the Scriptures from the beginning, from, from the confrontation that the Lord Jesus had with him on the road to Damascus. But it, was, it was not easy. It was never easy for him. He was faced with much. And so he could speak from a place of complete understanding. And he had this to say. He said, grace and peace to you. Oh, I love it. I love it when I hear of a brother or a sister who, in spite of difficult circumstances that they're faced with, insurmountable odds, that they're more interested in dispensing to others grace and peace. It's, they understand it. The Apostle Paul understood it's not about me. I heard it earlier in our prayer time this morning. It's, it's not about us. Well, then quit talking about you. 
You understand what I'm saying? If it's not about you, then you don't have to mention it's not about you. It's just not about you. Otherwise, it's about you. Paul knew in the midst of these difficulties, and he, and he was an example of a life that was being poured out as a sacrifice unto the Lord. A sacrifice. And so he says, grace and peace to you. Paul's thankfulness for them was expressed in prayer to God. Paul tells them that he's thankful for them. But he's thankful for them to God. As he mentions them in his prayer, it's not just an occasional prayer, by the way, as far as what we read here. It's like, oh, I, th- I mention you from time to time. No, no, no. It's a constant and continuous prayer. It's, I'm, always, I'm always thinking about you guys. And, and I lift you up, and I'm so thankful for you. I'm grateful to the Lord for you. It's an unceasing expression of gratitude toward God for their sincere faith in Christ. Again, we undervalue our brothers and sisters who show a genuine, a sincere faith in Christ, how it is that they're an encouragement to us. We need more brothers and sisters who come alongside us who are simply genuine in their faith. Oh, that's encouraging. Just steady as she goes. Just come what may. Storms are ahead of us. It doesn't matter. We've gone through a few, but we're continuing to go through. It is obvious that they were a great encouragement to Paul. The great Apostle Paul. He says, oh, I'm so thankful for you. And I express my gratitude for you by thanking God, by praising Him for you in your sincere faith. Two important thoughts I want to bring to your attention here. First of all, a genuine faith in one person is an encouragement to another, and it produces a heart of gratitude toward God. Let's not miss this important and basic, and it's just right in front of our faces, point here, this thought. A genuine faith in one person is an encouragement to another, and it provides a heart of gratitude toward God. Number one. Number two. Action proves a genuine faith, love, and hope in Jesus Christ. Action. Faith without works is dead. And dead, dead is dead. You know, we can express our faith and say it all we want, but if it, doesn't, uh, it, if it isn't revealed by our actions, then it's just like that. It's dead. It's dead. Paul wasn't thankful because they were perfect. Nor because they loved him. Oh, you love me, and so I'm so grateful for you. You're such an encouragement to me, and so therefore, because you love me, I love you. There, the world does that, does it not? We need to lear, learn. Uh, we need to learn to love uh, the agape way, the way of the the Lord, not the world. Agape love is one of sacrifice. It's one of giving without any expectation of receiving. Uh, it's, it's a sacrificial, it's a, it's a self-denying kind of a love. It's just a giving. Well, they're not. It doesn't matter if they're not. It doesn't matter. So this wasn't, he wasn't thankful for them because, oh, they loved me. But because they loved Jesus Christ and proved it by their actions. Proved it by their actions. Please understand, with their faith, love and hope produce. This is what the Apostle Paul was thankful for. Their faith produced work. Their love 
produced labor, and their hope produced steadfastness, endurance, patience, basically persistence in spite of persecution. Come what may, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm staying the course. I'm continuing to walk that, that narrow path with the Lord. I'm putting blinders on. I'm not going to the left or to the right. I'm, I'm just, I'm right here. I'm not up and down. I'm not wishy-washy. I'm not here one day and gone the next. It's just, just here. This is, and this is what we need to understand. Church, this is a letter written to us this morning. These are the basic results of salvation. It is not a prerequisite to salvation, but it is evidence of a heart for God and a new life in Christ. It's evidence of it. This was a strenuous work. This, this wasn't, by the way, what, what is um, described here, a, a faith that produced work, a love that produced labor. We're not talking about just a little like, mm, you know, when it's convenient for me, uh, what I have left over, anything. It's not describing that. It is not. It is far beyond that. In fact, what the Apostle Paul was telling them, I encourage you because your faith is being revealed in this way, that you are giving yourself to serving the Lord in a sacrificial, a strenuous work that is filled with tenacity, purpose, and hope. And so it was the labor of love. And when you give yourself to a labor of love, it's not burdensome. It is pleasant. I can honestly tell you that. I can speak for myself. That as I serve the Lord over, I don't know, it's been a few years now. That it has not been burdensome. It, it's not... And this is this is tiring. I I know that some of you, and thank you for praying. Thank you, I appreciate it. You guys know that sometimes the schedule is overwhelming, or can be, or seem to be overwhelming, right? And thank you. I do. I appreciate your prayers. But I don't feel overwhelmed when I'm in the spirit. When I'm in the flesh, oh man, I, I quit. I just, I'll just let you know. I quit. Um, I ask why me. Um, you know, are you sure I'm the right guy? Um, you know, it, it's just all there. But when I have the right perspective, when, when the Lord reminds me of His grace, His love, His mercy, His patience, it's just, I have to respond to that. I'm drawn to him by his kindness. And I'm reminded, oh yeah, Lord, <laughs> that's right. Even when Moses, Moses was overwhelmed. He was in the, in the wilderness. Did you know that Moses at one point said, Lord, take my life. These people of yours. <laughs> take me. Right? And then, but, but then he was reminded... He, he didn't go at that time. He continued on by God's strength, by his spirit. He was led and he was directed. And these were God's people. 
and we, and we are God's people. But this labor, this, this thing that we give ourselves to, this service unto the Lord, what we're describing here, seeing in this letter to the Thessalonians, was something that is sacrificial, that is strenuous, that is work. It is work. But it's pleasant. And it's not burdensome. It, it's, it's not crumbs that were given to the Lord. It's, it's some, some substance that were given to him. But it's not burdensome. Sustained action in serving God proves a genuine faith, love, and hope in Jesus Christ that serves to encourage others and makes a great impact, as we'll learn. So number one, action proves faith, love, and hope. Number two, perseverance is proof of a genuine faith. Verse four says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Paul encouraged them in their genuine faith by telling them that it was evident that they were loved by God and chosen because of their perseverance. Not because of, but it was demonstrated by their perseverance. It was just a demonstration. They were simply loved by God. We love because we were first loved. I don't believe we learn to love or what love is until we understand the love that God has for us and the love that he demonstrated to us. I think oftentimes, for the most part, we have no idea what love is until that point. And then we begin to learn what love is. Now, this verse was not the focal point of the letter. Nor did Paul attempt to explain what he meant by this, other than using it as a word of encouragement that Paul had seen evidence in their lives that they were a called people of God. It was just evidence. In other words, I'm not going to turn this into an exercise of proving uh, how it is that... Um, you understand Calvinism and Arminianism and how it is. No, sometimes we lose the forest for the trees. Or the trees for the forest. How is that? We just miss it. We, 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 we fail to draw back and see the whole picture. Because we're focusing on this one tree right here. This is what this, this is right here. The Apostle Paul is giving them a word of encouragement saying, This is evidence that you're loved by God. And you're one of his. One of his. Evidence of a genuine faith, along with the belief in the faithfulness of God, provides assurance. You want assurance of your faith? Here it is. There's a belief in the faithfulness of God, and you walk it out in your life. It's demonstrated. It's revealed. It's expressed. You act on it. That's evidence of a genuine faith. Paul brought to their attention that he and Silvanus and Timothy had proven what kind of men they were. That's humble confidence, by the way. That's not arrogance. That's not pride. You know, hey, I, I, I don't have to tell you anything. I, I don't have to prove by my words that we were this, that, and the other. It's like we proved it 
as we were with you, you've seen us in action. And we've proven what kind of men we were. And that's what he was telling them. Over time, we prove what kind of people we are over time. I'm talking sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's over the long haul. Just when I think, well, you know, perhaps a year or two with someone kind of proves where they're at. Um, no. <laughs> sometimes we get tested uh, a year down the road, two years down the road, and we prove otherwise. You know what that reveals is that we still have, well, the Lord still has work to do on us. That's what that reveals. And, and if we're honest at that point, we should simply repent and submit ourselves to him, surrender to him, and allow him to do that. And allow him to correct us. But over time, they were proven. These men, these people in Thessalonica, they knew exactly what kind of men Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy were. So they knew what faith they were imitating in Paul, as they were lives that imitated Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, the Apostle Paul writes, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be Im- Again, that's not arrogance, that's not pride, that's a humble confidence. Listen, I know, I'm, I'm telling you with a pure conscience, um, with clean hands, that as far as I know, I'm imitating Christ. So let's do this together. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying then, and, and that's basically what the Apostle Paul is saying now to the Thessalonians. But the following reasons are why Paul knew they were genuine believers. Because the gospel wasn't just a bunch of good words to them. The gospel wasn't just, well, they were nice words. They were encouraging words. Good suggestions. Oh, they were uplifting. No, I can tell you that (laughs) the gospel, you know, we always think of the gospel as like, man, that's so encouraging. You hear the love of God and all that. No, sometimes the gospel, you walk away with your tail between your legs and you feel like you've just like received a discipline from the Lord. Sometimes the gospel, that's how it feels. And that's what it is. So that it would bring us to a place of understanding who we are before a holy and righteous God. And then realizing His grace, His love, His compassion for us. And then we start to realize what grace truly is. God demonstrated His love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No, it's not entertaining either. The gospel will came with its transforming work. That's what it was. It came in power. It came in the Holy Spirit. It came full of conviction. That's how the gospel came to them, and they received it with joy of the Holy Spirit in the, and in the midst of much affliction. It wasn't in ideal circumstances that they received the gospel. It was in much affliction. That's what the Apostle Paul was reminding them of. When the gospel came to you, you were going through a lot. Perseverance is steadfastness in doing something despite difficulties. We need more people with great internal fortitude who are willing to give themselves to steadfastness, to persevere in spite of difficulties. If the word of God is delivered without the unction of God, then there's no power, no Holy Spirit, 
just a bunch of words. It falls flat when there's no conviction. I'm sorry, if I don't believe what I'm teaching, then I don't belong, I shouldn't be here. If I'm not relying on the Holy Spirit, I shouldn't be here. Because that's where the power is. It's not in my words, but it's in God's Spirit, in God's Word. Paul was saying, all this was present. It was proven over time and action. And he was telling them, you became imitators of this faith in the Lord. You became imitators. And by doing so in the midst of much affliction, they became an example to many other believers in the surrounding areas and beyond. They became great examples to them. It's easy to express love for Christ in the midst of peace and prosperity. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and we do, right? But a genuine faith is proven by how one's trials and affliction impact their joy of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. When times are really tough, when you're, you can't, you don't think that you can get any lower, do you still have the joy of the Lord? Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. In other words, when tough times are experienced, a genuine faith will respond with a consistent faith, love, and hope, but not with pessimism nor a fatalist perspective. You know, the sky is falling. Kind of a perspective, a a worldview. This guy, well, where's the hope? (laughs) Where do you see yourself in this whole Where where do you see God in this whole situation here? Is he present? Is he really leading you through? Are you allowing him to lead you through? Well, in tough times, we need to surrender to him even more so. The moment we're reminded of of that pessimist, this negative kind of a fadeless type of perspective, we we are to repent and rejoice in Christ, for He is our faith, love, and hope. Perhaps that is exactly what you needed to hear this morning. That's the only thing. You came and you're like, yeah, I have a negative pessimist. I like, like, it just everything is bad kind of a perspective. All things work together for... Oh, so you know it. Romans 8.28. Right? We, that's, that's, that's the thing. To know script, Scripture academically, like we memorize it, but yet we fail to live it out in our lives, that's a failure. Not on God's part, but on our part. Do we have faith or do we not? Do we have hope or do we not? Do we have a love for God or do we not? Because really there's no middle part of the road there's no fence that we can sit on we're either on one side or the other Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi again what did they do Acts 16:25 says about midnight they were still up at midnight about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them 
So they're just listening. I'm sure they were like, wow, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> Paul and Silas, maybe there's, there's something wrong. Let me tell you that the world, as you're, as you're sitting there singing and, uh, and, and praying, and, and the world is falling apart, the world will look at you and say the same thing. In fact, that's what they say of Christians. <laughs> you're, you're a little cuckoo. They're, there's, they're, not, they're not in reality. They're, they're in some other world. Yeah, and we, we hope to be in another world here whenever God decides, and that is in eternity with him in all of his glory. But Paul and Silas were, were showing that, singing hymns and praying, and the prisoners were listening to them. Perseverance is proof of a genuine faith and serves as an example worthy of following for other believers. That's what it does. So number one, action proves faith, love, and hope. Number two, perseverance is proof of a genuine faith. And lastly, the impact of a genuine faith. Verse 8, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, and I'm sure we're familiar with this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is what Jesus was teaching. Sermon on the Mount. He tells us today also, hey, well, I kind of serve in like somewhere else, or I'll pray about serving. Um, No, he says, just serve me, serve the Lord. That should be an expression of our love for him. And he's saying that, by the way, living your life for him in service to him, right? It's something to where as people see that, they see it and glorify the Father. Glorifies the Lord. So Paul was telling them that their proclamation of the gospel, coupled with their faith of uh, the example of their faith, meant that they didn't have to go out to the surrounding areas of Thessalonica. So the Apostle Paul, Silas, and, uh, and Timothy, and, and, and anyone else, he, hey, we don't have to go out there. Why? Because your faith, your genuine faith, and your proclamation of the gospel is, is having a great impact in the surrounding areas. And we don't have to go there. They're already impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This action proved how Paul was received in Thessalonica. It was reflected in how the word of God was going out to the surrounding cities. It, it, we need not say anything. All of that is a reflection of how it was that we were received. You're doing it. Everyone was hearing about Jesus Christ. Salvation. Grace. They were all hearing about it. Many were turning to God from idols. Many were living new lives in Christ, serving him. Many people were now living with hope, knowing that they too were delivered from the wrath to come. Condemnation and eternal suffering, that's what they they were delivered from as they understood God's message of grace expressed through Jesus Christ and made possible through Him. For there is no other name under heaven 
given among men by which we must be saved. And that's what was going out to everyone. At one point, these people were serving their idols, false gods, living for them, but now they were serving God. Now they were simply serving God. I love what Jesse shared with us yesterday at our men's prayer breakfast. He's talking about contentment. You know, in the world, we will never find contentment. When are we satisfied? With a little more. Right? Uh, when, when are you, like, complete? When are you happy? Maybe tomorrow. Maybe if I'm married. Maybe if I'm single. Maybe, you know, with a child. Maybe with another job. Maybe with this. Maybe with, We'll not find... I'm just joking as far as married to single. I'm not... I'm not encouraging you to divorce, all right? But it is. In the world, that's, that's how it is. You know, just something else. It's just a little more. When I'm retired... It's just a, something else. But when we turn to that, when we turn to Christ, we understand our hope is in Him. Our joy is in Him. Our every, he's our everything. And, and Jesse talked about contentment. Godly, godliness with con, con, contentment is great gain, is what the Bible tells us. Right? Nothing else will satisfy. Because at one point, their only hope was earthly, temporal things. But now their hope was eternal and firmly set. In Christ, we can try and justify why it is that we shouldn't be looked to as an example to follow. But as we see, it just isn't justifiable according to Scripture. We're supposed to be examples to others, we're supposed to be faithful and loyal and trustworthy to God. That's who He's seeking, it's who He desires to use. I believe we try to steer people away from imitating us because we fail to humble ourselves before a holy and righteous God. And we love our sin more than him. If we're honest, we love our sin more than him. And we refuse to truly repent of that sin, turning away from it and turning completely to him, completely. To serve him, to live for him in his glory alone. Not ours, but his glory alone. Listen. Whether we like it or not, we, you, each and every one of us, makes an impact on other people. Whether you want to accept it or not, it matters what kind of impact we're making on others. And it matters eternally. And it's your choice as to what kind of an impact you have. They were being encouraged. They were being affirmed of their faith, their love, and their hope in Jesus Christ. I would hope through this that you see an example of something that is worthy of imitating. Of perhaps a a life of faith that you can strive to attain. And that, again, is not by our strength. It's by His Spirit. It's, it's a, the Christianity is, is a faith of surrender. It's a faith of simply receiving what we don't have. We, we, can't, we can't attain something that we don't have ourselves, you know, taken to ourselves. It's like what we give to ourselves, that's we, that which we don't have. We can't do that. We should understand what kind of faith is worthy 
of imitating in that which will have an eternal impact on others. So number one, action proves faith, love, and hope. Number two, perseverance is proof of a genuine faith. And thirdly, we see here the impact of a genuine faith. I would encourage you to think of the love that God demonstrated toward you. Sending his son to die in your place on the cross at Calvary. So that you would know salvation and a hope in heaven. And, and allow that to lead you to respond to God in such a way that realizing that grace, realizing that sacrifice. When you realize, when you come to that place of understanding God is offering to me salvation, grace, the hope of heaven, being forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future. Because of nothing I've done. But he offers it to me out of a perfect love that he has for us. And, and with, that, with that, we respond in such a way to where we say, you know what? Please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me. I repent of my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And help me to serve you, to glorify you. Help me to, to know and learn what that is. Because I would encourage you to think about what kind of response would be fitting toward God for offering salvation by grace and sacrifice through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his only begun. A genuine faith in Christ will reveal love, hope, perseverance, and have a worthy impact on many lives. I pray that we would be such people, that we would have a great impact eternally on those around us and on many lives that we have no idea we're impacting. Father, it's by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the love that you have for us. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you love us with a perfect love. I pray, Father, that this morning that the words that we just read in this chapter Lord, would resonate, that uh, they would be words that we meditate on, think about. Lord, seeking you and asking, Father, that you would help us to live a life that's glorifying to you in response to the love that you've already demonstrated to us. So thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And may the joy of the Lord truly be our strength. In Jesus' name we pray.